morning. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Haltech Hall. Good morning, Mr. Haltech. How are you? Good morning, Aaron. I'm uh, a lot better than a lot of Bears fans are. We've had a couple of days to sit back and just try to chew on and digest this disaster of a game that was Sunday afternoon. So, um, unfortunately, we're, we're not talking about happy times and with everything that's going on in the in the Bears Twitter world, it's going to be interesting to uh, to discuss here today. Yeah, unfortunately, this feels all too familiar, um, and I'm trying not to get too negative about it, but it's uh, it's challenging. I'll tell you, the it, it just feels very familiar to be in a situation where we we have a, a bad quarterback, and now we're questioning the coach and. Uh, we have a good defense, but they can't do it all. And uh, the the thing that's new is now we can't run the ball either. <laughs> so it's like uh, 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 compounded um, with that. So uh, I have to say I, I didn't necessarily think that they were going to, you know, uh, beat the Saints handily. But to, to lose the way they did um, was just demoralizing. Uh, and uh, it was kind of just a sick feeling. So we gotta... let's get let's get right into it. And yep. the the third quarter was was the downfall. I mean, you uh, you started the game with a three and out, missing a, an open receiver on a on an easy out pattern, which would have been an easy first down. Um, but still, as sloppy as it was. You're in the ball game. You, you had a safety. You had a um, a touchdown. You had in what a touchdown and a field goal. You had Cordero Patterson's uh, what I thought was going to be a, a huge shot in the arm for the entire team with his you know 100 plus yard kickoff return for a touchdown. Uh, but you leave up. You let up a field goal at the end of the half, and instead of being up 10 to nine, you're down 12 to to 10. And it just, it just didn't feel right. It just didn't feel right. And then the third quarter, you know, the the Bears threw out a tweet um, at halftime. Said they, they, we needed to talk about the first half or whatever. And and I actually sent a reply back. I said, what did you guys talk about? Let's just give up a touchdown in five plays. And that's exactly what happened. Look at the drives, Aaron, in the second half. It were absolutely yeah. pathetic. They they had what at one point they ran 16 plays in six drives, which meant they had five three and outs and a turnover on first down on one of those drives, and that just literally was a recipe for disaster for the rest of the game and. And New Orleans took advantage of it. You know, they, they scored, you know, and here's, here's what it is. Third quarter, fumble, punt, punt, turnover on downs. And then they, they scored the garbage two touchdowns at the end of the game. But going into the second quarter with six, almost seven minutes left to go, they had a 40-second possession. They had a 41-second possession. They had a 59-second possession. All three three and outs with a punt. Just absolutely, it was terrible. 
And then New Orleans came out, their first drive, 75 yards, three minutes, touchdown. Uh, they missed a field goal, which they should have gotten. That would have been, um, let's see, I think they they started it. That's when they started on the Bears 29 after the fumble uh, from, was it Montgomery at that point? Then they had an 11-play, yeah. 76-yard touchdown drive, a nine-play, four-minute field goal drive, a seven-play, almost a five-minute 55-yard touchdown drive. And the last time they touched the ball after that was when they they knelt after um, after the uh, uh, on second onside kick that went awry when when it was a Brownecker uh, stepped out of bounds and failed to reestablish. Um, best two plays of the game were the onside kicks, aside from aside from Patterson's kickoff return and. I just didn't see it coming, Aaron. When we look back at the beginning of the season, I think we both predicted a 13-3 and record. I don't think any of us, and I'm not talking you and me, I'm talking the entire Bears Twitter universe, expected to see such an inept offense from this team. Injury aside, you know, Chase Daniel did a good job against Minnesota he didn't do very well against Washington, even though they won the they won the game. Or I'm sorry, they, he didn't do very well against Oakland, and they ended up losing that game because they couldn't get the ball into the end zone. They had some stupid penalties, had some some stupid missed assignments on a on kickoffs. Um, let's read into that. That was Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller uh, comes in and gets a taunting penalty on a touchdown. He didn't even score. And on the ensuing kickoff, he's the one that missed the tackle and then lost contain on the right side that allowed the runner to go around our right side into Bears territory. So just dumb play calls, dumb execution, uh, dropped passes when we had an opportunity. There was a picture on Twitter uh, earlier this week uh, that kind of showcased uh, what was wrong with uh, with Trubisky? And it was a it was an RPO play where he could have handed off the ball to Montgomery. It looked like the hole was open. He had receivers open to the right and to the left, but they had the end crashing in. Who was unblocked? In all RPOs, you're going to have one guy unblocked, and you have to account for that guy as the quarterback. He could have thrown it to the left. He could have thrown it to the right. But Brian Baldinger. Uh, yesterday threw out a clip and talked about some fundamental issues with Nagy's play calling and his um, all of his misdirection and all of his motion. And on that play, Trey Burton came in motion from the left side into the middle of the field. And the defender that was trailing him ended up right in the hole. If you if you continued that film just an extra second, that guy, the safety that was on Trey Burton, or maybe it was the, the, the slot corner. Gabriel, Gabriel, Gabriel came in motion on and, the play. And he ran himself right into the hole. And now, so, of course, Trubisky doesn't hand the ball off to Montgomery. And... He basically had no time. He, if he had the opportunity to anticipate, which he should have done, he maybe could have dumped the ball off to the left to the open receiver. 
and that some there's so many frustrations that that Bears Twitter wants to talk about, and that's just one of many instances where we're we're looking at all of these formations. The first after the first two weeks, I believe you had commented that the Bears ran 32 different uh, formations against the Packers and 35 different formations against Denver. And even though they might have cut down on some of the formations, they're just not doing the steak and potatoes type of football that needs to establish the run so they can set up the pass instead of passing and passing and passing and having no real scheme. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a couple different things. One is that the the play where the guy got the, the play where the motion uh, took the defender into the box was a handoff to Cohen. Um, it wasn't the Montgomery play. So that's uh, two plays mixed together there. But the but the other one um, from the still frame that that Baldinger actually put up as well kind of debunked what the still frame guy had put up a little bit just because Cam Jordan was basically unblocked. Um, so you had one play where Cohen basically, uh, you know, is is left with a handoff and Taylor Gabriel bring because he comes in motion and fakes a jet sweep, brings the defender into the box, essentially making it, you know, um, uh, now a seven man box. And Cohen, uh, who shouldn't be running between the tackles at all, runs right into the back of Leno and then gets tackled by the cornerback who was on Taylor Gabriel who now immediately says, oh, here's here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tackle this running back who's right in front of me. So that was a garbage scheme, and Baldinger did a great job of – I mean, Baldinger wrecked Nagy. I mean, he absolutely destroyed him. I, I don't I, – I mean, that was like – and it was well-deserved because at the end of the day, it's it, – you know – it's stuff that he's putting out there right now is not working. Uh, I think the entire league uh, that was going to play the Bears spent the whole offseason picking apart uh, what he does, and he didn't advance. And I think a lot of the reason he didn't advance is because Mitch didn't advance. Um, and they don't know what to run that he's going to be able to execute. <clears throat> I mean, honestly, I don't I, – you know, and so then you couple that with the with the completely – ridiculous regression of the offensive line. I mean, I think that's the biggest sort of surprise to me. I'm not necessarily surprised that Mitch Trubisky didn't take this enormous leap. I never thought that he was going to take an enormous leap. I thought that he was going to take it, make an advancement. I thought he was going to be better. I've never thought that Mitch was ever going to be a top 10 quarterback. I've never thought he was going to, but I thought he was going to be a great quarterback for the bears. And I thought he could take them, very far, uh, especially with this defense. But I never thought looking at him that he was going to be an upper echelon type of guy or ever enter into the conversation with Mahomes and Watson. But to, to see the way this offensive line has just been absolutely pathetic has been so just shocking. Like, I don't understand, you know, who James Daniels became and who Charles Leno is now. And there was a couple times where Massey just absolutely whiffed on Cam Jordan. And Cam Jordan's a great player, don't get me wrong. But how do you leave him single blocked? I mean, that's as bad as leaving Khalil Mack single blocked. Um, you know, and the and the play you talked about earlier where he was unblocked, I mean, they had Shaheen over there 
it's like, what are you doing? Like, I mean, it's just, it's like, I, I think that Nagy is lost as a play caller right now, you know, and I mean, the first half was terrible, you know, I mean, they had the block punt, they had the Anthony Miller fumble, you know, they really couldn't get anything going, but at the same time, like the, he, he ran the ball five times in the first half and threw it 23 times. You have a quarterback who's injured and you don't even get Mike Davis on the field. You, you, you know, we were told all off season about how great Montgomery was going to be. And he looked great and we all believed it. He barely gets on the field. Like, you know, they just, they threw the ball nine times to Cohen for 19 yards. I mean, this is the lowest rushing total by the Bears in franchise history. <laughs> like they've never rushed the ball seven times <laughs> it, uh, before this, and no team that has rushed the ball seven times in the history of the NFL has ever won a game. Like it's this is w- probably one of the worst coaching performances I can ever remember in my life. Like I I, I and and Mitch didn't help himself. You know, uh, but I just think like between the two of them, they are a bad, bad combination right now because Nagy is obsessed with getting Mitch going and Mitch has nothing to get going. He can't hit an open receiver to save his life. If like if you had if you had a guy uncovered at this point down the sideline, I think it's about a 50 50 shot. Mitch hits him with where his head is at and his mechanics and everything else. I mean, he just looks like a completely different person. He doesn't look confident. He, you know, that fourth down where he ends up throwing into the ground. Last year, he just runs for that. This year, I mean, he's just, he's just, his brain is scrambled. I mean, I just don't, I don't know, you know. I mean, everything I believed about this team offensively, none of it looks true except for that Allen Robinson is still, you know, an excellent player, but everything else about this team, I don't understand. Trey Burton is an absolute disaster. Miller shows flashes, but then, you know, disappears and makes stupid mis- He makes more mistakes than he makes good plays. Taylor Gabriel had another game of just being completely non-existent. I, I think he was open, but we'll never know because I mean, you know, he, ha- it has to be an absolutely perfect scenario for Mitch to hit him because of his size. And, and then you look at the, that when Mitch threw the ball into three defenders to Allen Robinson down, I mean, what is he doing? Like, what is he doing? Like he has, he, I don't know who he is. He's lost. And Nagy is more lost. And I'm at the point now where it's like, I, I don't, I, you know, I wish that somebody would take the play calling away from Nagy because it's just, he's just throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks and nothing is sticking. I mean, absolutely nothing. Nothing is—it's just dead on. Yeah, I—I I don't think that I'm—I'm I'm not going to defend Nagy, but I, I don't think it's a poor coaching job. I think it's just a lack of execution, and I think that—that that part of it goes back to what you said. Nagy has kind of dumbed down the playbook, right? We think we've all agreed to that. And what they're putting out on the field is too predictable and, and defenses are ready for it. Yep. So that's that's the problem. You, you've got a guy that's not executing. You've got a team that's not executing. 
You've got, uh, you know, offensive coaches scheming against the Bears' defense, and they've, they've started to figure out the Bears' defense in light of Akeem Hicks being gone, and that's you attack them up the middle on the run, yeah. and you double-team Mac on, and sometimes triple-team Mac on, on when, you're, when you're dropping back. Yep. And that's now worked to perfection two weeks in a row. So now what is Pagano going to do about that? And what is Nagy going to do with what has become a train wreck on offense? So we'll see, you know, we'll see coming up this Sunday. We've got, you know, we only have four more days left to, to, uh, to worry about it. And, but this is a big game. I just feel like Nagy's just been out. He was out coached by Gruden, and he was absolutely out coached by Sean Payton. I just feel like you have a young quarterback who's struggling. He's hurt. You absolutely have to commit to the run. You run it. You run it. You run it. The running game is the quarterback's best friend. And Olin Kurtz said it. You have to establish a run, even if it doesn't work. You go back to it. You body blow them, and eventually it will start working. I mean, I don't. I don't see how we don't get. David Montgomery, 15 to 20 carries a game. We ran the ball with Jordan Howard 250 times last year. We were eighth in the league in rushing attempts. It's not like Nagy doesn't know how to do it, but he has lost himself. Like, I don't get it. Like, you you supposedly had a guy that you didn't like and didn't fit, and now you got the guy that you love and you don't use him? Like, I got to put... A lot of this on Nagy. I mean, I think it's about 50-50 at this point. I mean, I, I think he's just shell-shocked by by Mitch's regression and doesn't know what to do. And, and he's so convinced that his play calls are so amazing and his scheme is so amazing that he can force uh, things to go better for Mitch. But it's like, it doesn't matter. I mean, he's scheming guys open and Mitch can't hit them. You know, and it's like, you know, he wants to stand there and say, I'm not an idiot. I know I need to run the ball. You threw it 54 times. Like, you're not an idiot, but you ran it a franchise record low seven times. So, I mean, it's like, what's, you know, it's like he's acting like somebody else is calling the plays. So, I mean, I'm pretty disheartened by what seems like pretty obvious, you know, stuff and obviously you had some extenuating circumstances but at the same time like what better way to get an offensive line that's struggling going than to to commit to the run i would much rather see them run the ball three times and have a three and out than see what we've seen you know because at least it's like okay they're trying i mean you because you look at the the teams that are running the ball the, the 49ers are running the ball 40 times a game you know, the Minnesota Vikings are running the ball. The Patriots are running the ball, you know, 35, 38, 39 times a game. You know, we're near the bottom of the league now. And this is supposedly after we got the guy that they wanted and got rid of the guy they didn't want. Why did we sign Mike Davis? He didn't even get on the field. Like, I just like it's it's I just feel like Nagy is flailing like him. And he's he's like a bad gambler right now where he just keeps doubling down on the pass. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. My pass schemes are so great. You know, it's like, no, they're not. <laughs> you know, I was hoping they would bench Mitch and put in um, Chase. And, you know, and then we had these garbage time touchdowns. And it's like, I just, I was just like, I don't get it. Like, what are we, you know, like all of a sudden Shaheen can catch a pass. Like, I don't, like, it was just so bizarre, the ga- that game. Like, the fact that it ended up being close and we had those onside kicks, I was just like, 
I was like, really? Now? <laughs> like, now all of a sudden we look like we're, you know, like alive? Uh, I, I was like, just let it end at this point because we were too far down. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know what we're going to see against the Chargers. I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to say that they're going to turn it around, but you had two weeks where you told us that you were going to fix things and you were going to take a long look in the mirror. And even as bad as they were, they still sent everybody on vacation, you know, even though I don't think they should have done that, but they did. And I mean, I just think he's been arrogant. Like he's been arrogant to think that, 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 you know, a rookie running back and a second, you know, basically a second year quarterback were just going to take this huge leap you know, and take us to the promised land. They were arrogant to think that they don't, they didn't need Jordan Howard, you know, because they're so smart. (laughs) And I agree with a lot of it. So I've been arrogant too, but it's like looking back now, a lot of national people and we all chalked it up as, Oh, everybody just wants to hate on Chicago. A lot of national people, we're not buying Trubisky. We're not buying, you know, um, this team, you know, they called us the Jaguars and here you go. I mean, Trubisky looks a lot like Bortles, and we look a lot like the Jaguars at this point. So at last we found what the, the 202 is. It's Bortles 202. <laughs> yeah, exactly. True, true Bortleski. <laughs> oh man, it's, it's rough, man. You know it. You know here we are, six weeks into the season. The three games that they won, and one was a miracle against Denver, but in the three games they won. They rushed more than the three games they lost. You go back and look at it. Obviously, we know about this game, but the game last week against Oakland, they they forgot to run. They forgot to run against Green Bay. I think, what did they have, 15 or 16 runs in week one versus Green Bay? And you and I were sitting there in the stands and just shaking our head. Why aren't they running the ball? And when they run the ball, they're more balanced. When they're more balanced, the the passing game's going to click a little bit better. He's capable of it. I mean, they had a whole game plan in Denver where they, they you know, they really just said, you know what, we're just going to do this. It's like, it's not that he's not capable. He can do it. But somebody called in the ESPN the other day and was looking at his games, you know, because he didn't have that many games as a play caller in Kansas City. But there were a few times where he inexplicably abandoned the run, one being the playoff game they lost. You know, and it was, you know, uh, obviously a lot talked about, but there were a few other games where the Chiefs were down by seven points or less. And even with Kareem Hunt, he decides just throw, 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 throw. And it's like I put out there that he calls plays like an arena league quarterback. Which he was. Right. And it's like there's just sometimes where I just feel like he's just he's just hell bent on getting this going because he's so convinced that, and it's like, and he just hasn't seen, you know, I know the offensive line has been bad, but it's like, how do you, how can you trust Mitch? I mean, and, and, but then the weirdest thing to me is that as bad as everything's been, Mitch somehow still seems to be able to get the ball to Allen Robinson. (laughs) Like, you know, and then sometimes it's because Allen Robinson makes phenomenal catches on questionable passes but at the same time like everybody says the only person on the offense is that's doing well is Allen Robinson and it's like well how is he doing that I mean he has to get the ball from somewhere so 
I don't know. I mean, and and there was a thing that came out this week where Dan Graziano talked about having heard from Helfrich that basically Helfrich said Mitch is is you know basically predetermining his reads. He's not anticipating and he's not able to. He's 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 basically looking at the play, deciding where he's going to go, and and that's what you see. You see him locked in on his receiver. Now, luckily. Allen Robinson is good enough to still make plays even when Mitch stares him down and everybody knows the ball's going to him. But for everybody else, I mean, you know, I just think I think I think maybe if the offensive line hadn't regressed, we'd be having a different conversation. But that was like the first sort of part of the avalanche. Um and now it's just it's like it's like you just can't stop it like you know and and Mitch just looks like he has absolutely no confidence and I don't think Nagy has much confidence in him and you know I I don't know I mean you would you would hope that the Charger game would be like a get right kind of game but this you know I mean I thought the Saints game should have been that I thought that they should have won the the Raider game you know, I, I can't look at any game on the schedule left and go, yeah, that's a W. Like, because I just don't know what we're going to see. You're on mute. You're on mute, I think. Well, there it starts go. this week, I guess. I, I was getting ready to say San Diego, like so many other people in this world. There's, there, You just can't. Uh, you just can't think of the Chargers as being in Los Angeles, and I'm I'm one of those. Yeah, I I refuse. <laughs> you know, it it's it is it is what it is. Um, yeah. You know, but it starts this week against San Diego. San Diego's two and five, but um, they're a lot like the Bears were last year in reverse, where they they've lost all five of their games by seven points or less. You know, they should have beat Detroit in week two. They easily could have won last week. They 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 were on the one-yard line with under a minute to play, and they just couldn't get it into the end zone against the Tennessee Titans defensive line. So these guys aren't going to be an easy, you know, they're not going to be a pushover team. You know, Phillip, a lot of people joke about Phillip Rivers, but he's been in the league for a ton of years, and he's no slouch at quarterback. He just no. isn't. So this is uh, this is a crucial game. This uh, this is if there was ever a must-win game in Nagy's early tenure, it's this one because the the you know the walls are crashing in on this team, and everybody is just just trashing the Bears at every turn, and rightfully so. They they are getting absolutely what they deserve. Uh, while you were talking, I was looking back at, at uh, Brian Baldinger's tweets, and, and he's, uh, he's, he's inter- it's interesting. He says uh, there was a game, there was a play where they had um, a great running scheme, great running uh, play called, but um, they had Trey Burton on their, their defensive end. Mm-hmm. And he just basically whiffs on a block. Yep. If he if he gets him on his outside shoulder and just shields him, you've got a big run from from Montgomery. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and but the technique was poor. 
the the play that we talked about where I mixed up the the two different plays, they you know you know what do you what do you do when you leave the the Saints best lineman unblocked is exactly what Baldinger said and and then there was a another play where uh, it, was, it was a nice design and, and Trubisky just there was a pass play to Robinson of course mm-hmm. and Robinson had to just go flat out die for the ball and it fell off of his fingertips and if that ball is three feet shorter it's it's a completion and an easy game well, yeah, but he just well, missed was, it there was the play where Allen Robinson didn't get his foot down which he normally does too um, I just feel like at this point and and I don't know how much control Mitch has anymore because there was that crazy moment where the headsets went out in the game too which was weird um, and you just saw that you know, Mitch is as, you know, as many quarterbacks are, is completely depending on that. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like he could look down at his armband and, you know, um, call a play. I, I just feel like at this point, he, he needs to not have the RPO decision anymore. Like we need to, we need to call plays, you know, like we can't, you know, because there was another one that Baldinger brought up, which is an RPO and uh, Rashad Coward was, um, Mitch pulls it when he probably should have handed it off. And then Rashad Coward ends up, you know, seven yards downfield. So if Mitch had thrown it, it would have been a, a penalty anyway, because the lineman is downfield like he's blocking. And the ironic but he, part but is, he was, but he was blocking and, and I, right. I'm at least he was, sure blocking. He, but the, the point I'm trying to make is, is if right. he's engaged in a block, I don't think they can call illegal man downfield. But I'd have to double check on that. I don't know. Baldinger thought it was would have been a penalty just because he's so far downfield. Um, but yes, you're right. I mean, I, but at the end of the day, like that's just that's just where they are. That's the first time all year I've seen an offensive lineman in the second level blocking anybody. I mean, this is so you bring in this guy to replace Kyle Long, and he actually has a pretty good game, and he gets downfield and he's blocking into the second level and. Mitch is trying to throw it to to who like give it to the damn running back. And so that's what I'm saying is that I don't think Mitch should have that control anymore. I think he's, you know, he's lost the right to to have that. They need to stop with this. You know, the RPO stuff is absolutely not working. It's not fooling anybody. And it's actually making everybody confused, including Mitch. And, you know, that's just it's like we finally have a play what's that's well blocked or a couple plays that are well blocked and something else happens to to screw it up. Um, and it's just like, you know, so I don't know. But the thing is, I, that's that's all Nagy's scheme. I don't think you can change. I don't know that you can change that much at this point. I don't know that you can all of a sudden just, you know, um, <clears throat> but I'd like to see them have more of a game plan at this point. I would like to see them have more of a game plan like Denver last week. I was like, okay, let Mitch go. Let Mitch throw. Let's see what he can do at this point. Run the ball, roll Mitch out. If you have to run Mitch, run Mitch, you know, just, just, you know, run it, run it, run it. And, and, you know, I want to, I want the Denver game plan back. I mean, people are, you know, uh, (laughs) talking about missing John Fox, which is crazy, but, you know, I mean, at least we had a running game. I mean, you look at it, under John Fox, we had a defense and a running game. Now all we got is a defense, <laughs> you know, so. 
<laughs> I don't know. Well, it is, uh, unfortunately, it is what it is, and yeah. we can only hope to see better from here on out, but yeah. you're definitely right. They've got to get rid of the RPOs. They've got to run the damn ball. They've got to come in the line of scrimmage. Uh, one of Baldinger's things he, he said in his tweet when he was going through some of the plays that he posted on Twitter was, pretend George Hallis is watching and dominate the line of scrimmage. And what a great line that was. So it's going to be interesting going forward. And, and, you know, the sad part is you've got this offensive. Uh, you, you've, got all, you've got all this mind power. You don't have just Nagy. You've got Helfrich, was, who was very innovative in his, in his college days. You get their quarterback coach, is, Ragone, is, is a decent QB coach, and he's the one that, that groomed Mitch and got him to the point where he was last year. So they gotta, they got to go back to running the damn ball. They've got to have pass plays that are schemed to get somebody other than Robinson open. And you've got, if you can get the running game going, you've got to be able to start with some play action passes. Let's go back to week one when you and I were there and, and the Bears defense just absolutely stopped everything Green Bay was throwing at him. Remember that? Yep. Okay. And in the, in the second quarter, they run a play-action pass where Aaron Rodgers fakes the ball to a defensive or to his running back. He's going to go to the right. And, and all of the defense offensive linemen are, are going downfield or across the line of scrimmage to the right. And he bootlegs out, and he probably goes back 10, 12 yards to his left, so he gives himself plenty of room. So there's no defensive lineman within 10 yards of him. And he launches the ball downfield. Boom. Completed pass. They end up scoring a touchdown on it. It's the only touchdown they scored the entire game. But it was play-action pass on a game where their running was absolutely going nowhere. And pretty much went nowhere the entire game, but they still executed a play-action pass to perfection. We haven't seen that type of a play-action pass from the Bears all year long. Trubisky seems to be very comfortable when he's not bottled up in the pocket, but yet we haven't seen them move him out of the pocket all year long. When he scrambled and made a couple of plays effectively outside of the pocket, he's done pretty well. Uh, look at the Washington game. They, they did get him out of the pocket a couple of times near the goal line. And, and, of course, he found Gabriel wide open two times for touchdowns down in the red zone. But we don't see it. So where is the we're going to do things that work? And then they get to the game and nothing works. Then they're not doing anything that has worked in the past. So it's just uh, it's just the most frustrating six games that I can recall uh, in several years. You've got to go back to, you know, Tressman was eight and six before he lost his final two games. And then 
the, the bottom fell out and he lost control of his team. And he was fired after two years. And, and I like Nagy. I, I like his, his genuineness. I like the fact that um, he seems to command his players' respect and trust. And I don't want to see this team spiral out of control. So this is a game that we've got to put it back together. I guess one of the nice things is it's a a Sunday noon game, so we don't waste our entire afternoon uh, on a a packed football game (laughs) from from 3 to 6.30. When we come back, we're going to take a break right now and hear from our sponsor, Tix Blitz. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the Bears' history with the San, San Diego and now Los Angeles Chargers right after this message from TickSplits.com. Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Welcome back, fans. We're going to be getting into a little bit of our Bears history, which is something we do every week. Uh, we wanted to give a special shout-out uh, to our sponsor, TickSplits.com. Uh, TickSplits.com uh, is donating a portion of their proceeds to the Paralyzed Veterans of America uh, for every ticket purchased during the month of November. So not only do they not charge service fees, they're giving to great causes. You're not going to see that from the, the ticket services uh, that you've been buying from in the past. So if you haven't tried TickSplits.com, give them a shot. Uh, they just awarded two tickets to the Bears-Detroit game on Veterans Day weekend uh, to a veteran who has been uh, with the uh, armed forces for several years. Uh, he deployed uh, to uh uh, Mosul came back just as his son was being deployed. He lost his son uh, when his his unit drove over an IED, uh, but yet he still is serving to this day. And uh, can't uh, can't thank him enough. Can't thank all the veterans who stand on the wall protecting our freedoms. The, this is something that uh, I can tell you for a fact is something near and dear to the people at Tick Split's heart. Uh, so please give them a follow and use them for your ticket purchases. Aaron, we're playing San Diego. I mean, uh, I mean the Los Angeles. Who the hell are they playing this week? I, they're San Diego. I don't care. I lived in San Diego for three years. I, I mean, I don't know if I don't even know if the the city of San Diego wants them back. But at this point. I refuse to call them the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, you know, it does—it's just—it makes no sense. Like, it's like Oakland versus LA versus like they're just the Raiders. They're just the Chargers. Where they play, <laughs> they play in California. Who cares? It's this—it's the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles at this point. Like, who cares? <laughs> Well, I guess the, the Angels actually used to play in Kansas City. No, that was the Oakland A's. Never mind. Yeah. Well, a- anyway, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, uh, the the Bears have played San Diego 12 times in the, the history of their franchises. The first one dates back all the way to 1970, uh, which was, I believe, the first year of the merger. 
they lost that game 20 to seven. Uh, they actually lost three straight uh, to the then San Diego Chargers. Uh, and some of the games, like some of the games this year, weren't pretty. They lost 20 to seven. They lost 40 to seven in 1978. And they lost, then they also uh, sandwiched a loss in their 1974, uh, 28 to uh, uh, 21. The first three games were. Two of the first three games were played in San Diego. Bears won their first game in 1981. Let's talk about that game for a little bit. That was uh, that was a fun game. I was actually at that game, and the the Bears. This is the Dan Fouts. This is the the Dan Fouts era. Uh, they they ended up winning the game in overtime on a field goal. I was sitting in the south end zone when that field goal was kicked, and uh, it was it's just a fun, fun game. Walter Payton ran the ball for 107 yards. The Bears quarterback was uh, none other than the, the venerable Vince Evans, who had, uh, he was 17 out of 39 for 219 yards. But, you know, this is Dan Fouts. This is Dan Fouts. I'm going to repeat that. This is Dan Fouts. Dan Fouts, 13 out of 43. (laughs) Wow. 295 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions with a passer rating of 52.0. Now, Vince Evans, as I mentioned, uh, he was only 17 out of 39. So, I mean, can you imagine there were 52 passes thrown in that game that hit the ground. That's wild. Okay. Un- just unbelievable. That's got to um, be one of the worst games completion percentage-wise of Fouts' career. Must must be. The, you know, I mean, the Bears actually, they had, they had 28 first downs. They, they held San Diego to only 15 first downs in that game. Uh, but ultimately, it was won in overtime uh, by a, uh, a kick. I'm trying to find the name of the uh, uh, the Bears kicker, and I. Rovetto. Uh, John Rovetto. That was yeah. a, a 20, 26 yard field goal uh, in overtime, and uh, you know you're talking these are these are guys that that the Chargers had on this team. Uh, Dan Fouts, Charlie Joyner, Wes Chandler. We're talking some primetime players. Kellen Winslow. In, you know, <laughs> in, in our in our lifetimes. Yeah. And, you know, this was a team that absolutely, uh, you know, their defense, even back in 1981, was, was stellar. This was um, Neil Armstrong was our coach back then. Uh, so it was it was interesting to see. Uh, I was actually at that game, as I, I had mentioned. The the oddity of the Bears' schedule, of the, the league schedule, uh, was kind of interesting because you you go from the, the Bears played in 70, 74, 78, 81, 84. They didn't play again until 1993. I, and I kind of find that hard to believe, um, but of course the schedules were were a little bit different back then. I, I believe back then you you played um, 
the games against the teams in the other conference based on where you fell in the standing. So if you were fourth place in the NFC Central, and back then there were five teams because Tampa was in the division. Um, so you ended up playing the because there were only three divisions back then. They, they didn't go to a four-division scheme until the uh, they added uh, two teams after the 2001 season. So you played the, the, the teams that finished in the same position in their divisions against, uh, against so they would play one of every division back mm-hmm. in those days. Um, 19, uh, I want to say it was 19, 2000, I'm going to go to 2011. Uh, the Bears, like I said, the Bears have played them 12 times and they've won seven of those games. But I wanted to focus on this one particular game uh, because this game turned the Bears' whole season around. Um, so this was uh, November 20th of 2011, and the Bears just walloped the San Diego Chargers 31-20. to And why did this turn the, the season around in a bad way? Jay Cutler was the quarterback. And I'm going to go right back to the specific play of the game. Um, this was a game where the Bears were holding a commanding lead, and unfortunately, they they threw a, a pick. Uh, the Chargers intercepted the ball, ran it downfield. Uh, he got pushed out of bounds by Cutler, and unfortunately, there was a little bit of tragedy on, on the play. Um, Jay Cutler broke his thumb on that play as he, as he was he was reaching for him. Uh, this was a pass that was that started at the, the San Diego 30-yard line. Uh, Antoine Quezon intercepted it at the 10 and returned it for uh, a 64-yard return. But unfortunately, this is the play that that Everybody was celebrating the, the victory, and then, of course, there was some rumblings going on in the locker room after the game, and I don't think it was until later that day that the, the Bears came out and said that Jay Cutler had sustained a, a thumb injury, and uh, this is what happened after that. They lost to the Raiders. They lost to the Chiefs. They lost to the Broncos. They lost to Seattle. They lost to Green Bay. They finally won a game against Minnesota at the at the end of the year. So that's what destroyed that season. They were seven and three with six games left to play, and they looked like a sure thing going to the playoffs. And all of a sudden, Jay Cutler went down with an injury. And remember, this is the year after they went to the NFC title game. Yeah and lost to the Packers when Cutler got injured uh, in the first half against Green Bay in the, uh, in the NFC title game. So, yeah. you know, guess guess who was their quarterback? Caleb Haney. Yeah. So just, uh, just a sad, sad turn of events back then. So um, the, the last game I wanted to focus is the very last game um, that they played. And... 
this is the play was a Monday night game, and uh, you know Cutler was was still uh, playing for him. It was at um, it was at San Diego, and we all love our one of our favorite players, Zach Miller, and Zach Miller caught a one-handed touchdown in the fourth quarter. Uh, he reached up, he, he caught the ball one-handed at about the seven-yard line, and he ended up stumbling into the end zone for a touchdown. And that ended up giving the Bears uh, the lead. And it was a 25-yard touchdown, and they were able to uh, hold off the, uh, the San Diego Chargers. And they ended up winning that game 22-19. to and that's the last time that these two teams have played. So um, not a lot of history back there, but there is some important history in there. The, seeing the, the defense in the early 80s start to come around against one of the all-time greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game in Dan Fouts. Uh, the game in 2011 that the Bears were on their way. They were, I mean, they were, they, they were an awesome team. Uh, you know, they were well-balanced on offense. Their defense was still pretty damn dominant, and uh, they lost their quarterback. So, you know, we have a lot of negative feelings towards Jay Cutler, but that was a year where everything was working. Everything was working, and, you know, it was just absolutely devastating to see that happen uh, to Jay Cutler, and, you know, he was never the same after that. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, the one game, the most recent game, the 2015 game, uh, I was looking at, you know, Jeremy Langford. Remember that guy? Yeah. <laughs> that was, I mean, we thought uh, we thought Jeremy Langford was, was going to be something. I mean, he had 540 yards rushing that year, and then, I mean, next thing you know, he's out of the league. Uh, you know, him, I thought at the time, you know, you thought Jeremy Langford and Kadeem Carey were going to be the one-two punch, and then it ends up being... Jordan Howard, you know, uh, kind of emerging on, you know, as the back. But, you know, unfortunately, that's the thing with Jay is like, you know, he he always had that thing where it just seemed like there was times where he just lost his mind about the situation in the game. And it's like, you know, he just he just didn't need to be trying to make a tackle there, you know, and I'm sure if the guy runs for a touchdown, you know, then, then Jay's getting killed in the media for not, you know, attempting it or whatever. But at the end of the day, like you got to, you know, you got to be smarter than that. Um, you know, I mean, he's had he had other plays where he, you know, was throwing blocks and doing weird stuff. And I mean, he's just a competitor. And there were times where, you know, it, he just needed to be a little bit smarter and his career probably would have gone better. Um, you know, and that's just one of them. But I mean, that's that's awesome that you bring up. I never was even aware of that game where the Bears shut down Air Coriel, uh, San Diego Chargers offense. I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty amazing. Everybody talks about the 85 Bears. I don't think anybody, you know, is thinking about the 81 Bears when they, you know, shut down Dan Fouts and um, and Eric Coriel, you know, Kellen Winslow and all those guys. Um, you know, it's uh, it's that's pretty pretty cool. Um, you know, to sort of see that. That definitely. Uh, thanks for bringing that up. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, like I said, it's a short history. Um, 
I mean, Philip Rivers has been around for a long time. He's no slouch. He seems like he, at the end of the game, he's always got the ball in his hands and they can't seem to, to get over the hump. But the guy's, you know, 57,000 yards passing, 385 touchdowns. He's got 125 or so victories. Uh, he's, you know, he's borderline, if not shoe-in Hall of Famer, maybe not first ballot at this point, but he's close. And if they think that, you know, he's going to be an easy out, <laughs> they better they better watch it because our, uh, secondary, our secondary doesn't look so great when we don't get a pass rush. And like you said, that now there's this blueprint about how to beat the – beat our defense by, you know, sort of uh, running away from uh, from uh, Mac and doubling him and then going right up the middle. And they got a couple, you know, even though Melvin Gordon hasn't been great since he's been back, he's he's still a, a quality back. And Austin Eckler is a great combo back, and he's a guy that could get you 100 yards rushing or 100 yards receiving. Keenan Allen is a great receiver. So they got some talent. I mean, they're underperforming, but there's no reason to think that, you know, the Chargers can't can't uh, do some things against the Bears. They are missing their starting center. They are missing their starting safety that they've been missing for a while. Um, you know, so but they have uh, they have Joey Bosa and they have Melvin Ingram on defense, and there's uh, there's plenty of talent there. So the Bears absolutely better be ready we'll see what happens supposedly they had a, a players only meeting this week which was called by eddie jackson and um you know i guess he said that you know he didn't want to hear that the coaches were getting blamed for all this and the players need to be accountable and so we'll see it always makes me a little worried these team meetings start happening and it can go one of two ways. Um, I don't think Nagy has lost this team by any stretch of the imagination, but he didn't help himself with that press conference, given given the reporters all these sound bites, you know, about he need, knows he needs to run the ball. He's not an idiot, and you know, um, this, that, that and the was, other. That was a slip, but I, but I got to tell you, um, I looked at that that presser a little bit differently, in that. Um, he was accountable. Right. Nagy was accountable to the the press corps, and he gets it. And you could obviously see the frustration. You could hear the frustration. It's just absolutely mind-boggling to hear how well they supposedly do in practice, and it just doesn't transition to the game. And that's what's killing him. It absolutely, you can see it wearing on his face uh, as, as, you know, as, as you get into the fourth quarter. And, and of course, they always show, uh, you know, the coaches uh, on the screen. And it's just absolutely mind-boggling to him that his offense has basically been uh, fox-worthy, if I can use that mm-hmm. phrase. Uh, you know, because, you know, John Fox's offenses were, were terrible. And, you know, John Fox's record as a Bears coach was historically bad. And, and the, the Bears uh, aren't bad. They're just playing bad. But they've got all the tools in the toolbox to be a good team. They just got to execute. I can't say it often enough, but where does it start? Uh, you, you said it earlier. Offensive line is 
got to be able to block. They've got to be able to run block. They got to get off the ball and fire instead of all this zone blocking garbage uh, that they have to do with run pass options. Uh, just get down and dirty and dominate the line of scrimmage. That's what they need to do. And once they are able to do that and punch the defense in the mouth, then they can do uh, things that will help open up the passing game for Mitch Trubisky. So I agree with you what? about the press conference, uh, just to kind of uh, piggyback off of that. I, I watched the whole thing, obviously, and I feel like if you watch the whole thing, you don't come away feeling as bad about it. But he's got to be smarter than to give them those sound bites, though. You know, the we're being tested and I kind of like it is one that people are running with. And, you know, the obviously what I said before about, you know, uh, I'm not an idiot. Like he's being very honest and that's great. But unfortunately, the world we live in is that nobody's going to take the full 27 minutes and watch the whole press conference. And even during the press conference, the press was immediately grabbing those snippets and putting them out you know in, in out of context and they sound just so much worse than they are so unfortunately Nagy's got to be smarter from a PR standpoint and not give them that you know um, and the other thing that I think is a little frustrating is he does continue to throw receivers under the bus a little bit in these in these press conferences and he will absolutely not take Mitch to task um, he kind of dances around it and will say, yeah, that's one he'd like to have back. And he knows, he knows, well, okay, great. So he knows what is he doing about it? Like, you know, you got, they're making the same mistakes again and again and again. So at some point, you know, what does that mean? You know? And so I just think like, it's like, it's, it's, you know, that's, this is the double-edged sword of he's being who he is. But it doesn't being the ha the glass half full guy and being Mr. Open and honest when you start to lose and things go bad, it doesn't work as well, you know, because if you switch off of it, people think, well, you were full of it in the first place. Um, but if you keep up with it, you also seem like a simpleton, you know, like. Uh, you know, this, like, I'm never going to change. I'm never going to change, you know? And so people are unfortunately already, <clears throat> you know, kind of making their comparisons to Tressman um, in the sense that, you know, Tressman was supposed to be this offensive guru and, and he did come in and he, you know, I mean, he had, he's, he, Tressman is responsible for some of the highest rated bears offenses ever. So, you know, he at least did that. But obviously he couldn't control the locker room. Now, the good part about all of this is that it is true that they don't have any Martellus Bennett's and Brandon Marshall's and, you know, um, type of, you know, Alshon Jeffries and, and, and people like that that are divisive. But, you know, these players, they can't – to think that they're going to stay off social media – is crazy and you had Tariq Cohen and Alan Robinson battling people on social media after the game you know um, I mean they're and they're not even stuff that where they're being tagged they're they're literally like searching their names and finding people talking about them and like going at them you know and and Nagy says well you know we'd rather they not do that but they're not making any effort to control it and I don't know if you can control it necessarily but you know they've they've got to rally, and and the thing that worries me the most is that without Akeem Hicks on the field, and I know he's still there and he's still a leader, I just feel like that the really the true leader and heart and soul of that defense is missing. 
I mean, Mac is a star, but he's not, he's not the vocal leader. He's not the, he's not the heartbeat of that defense. That's that has and continued to be Akeem Hicks. And I mean, they just, uh, that's that, that worries me uh, that Melvin Gordon's just going to, you know, and Eckler is just going to do the same thing that Latavius Murray did and run right through us. So let's um, hope not. Yeah. Well, did, you know, the, we talked about this, you talked about it just a little bit ago. I talked about it earlier in the podcast, the way to, uh, to beat the bears defensively is run straight ahead. Now that, uh, not a kicks, is it in the lineup? Uh, and then double team and triple team in some cases, Khalil Mack on on passing downs. Despite all that, you know who the leading tackler was for the Bears against the Saints on Sunday? Roquan. It was Khalil Mack. It was Khalil oh. Mack. Wow. It, it was only eight tackles, but but that leads into some some other I don't know if you want to call it sinister problems, but. Um, <laughs> Where where has Trevathan gone? Where has Roquan Smith gone? Where where's Eddie Jackson? We're not seeing those guys who made plays last year and earlier this year. We haven't seen them make a play in several weeks. Roquan Smith has been absolutely uh, MIA since his uh, mysterious MIA against the Vikings. The last two games, he's is he? I don't even know he's been on the stat sheet. Uh, it's Obviously, part of it's because has, it's partially the defensive line is getting dominated. So if you don't have a pass rush, your secondary is going to look bad. And they're they're the the, the linebackers Trevathan and Roquan are small, fast guys who are now having to take on 300 pound offensive linemen who have gotten to the second level. So I mean, I think that's what's happening is your defensive line goes down and everything goes down after it. You know, they they have to. So that's that's what I think. Only one sack against the Saints on a guy that was basically standing in the pocket all afternoon. Only yep. two tackles for loss. And thank God Blau Nichols came back. He had one of them. And I think Abdullah Anderson had the other. It's, it's, it's just a total dysfunction on all three phases is – and we haven't even talked about two blocks. We basically talked about the first punt block, but they had two punt blocks. You don't see two punt blocks in an entire season more often than not. And here we have two punt blocks in the same game. Thank God the, the one, the second block uh, was just a, a deflection, and at least it made it down the field. I don't know, it was like 20 or 30 yards, but two punt blocks. Yeah, we've we've had we've had terrible coverage on kickoffs when when the ball doesn't get into the end zone. Uh, we've had two good plays that weren't called back on penalties uh, when we're in the return game. We had the 70 some odd yard punt return by Cohen, and we had the 102 yard kickoff return by Patterson that basically did it all on his own. He hit a he hit a crack in the coverage and was gone. There was basically no blocking, uh, you know, other than their guys were in somebody's way. But thank God, I swear to God, and I bet you were the same way, Aaron, I was dreading to see a, a flash of yellow hit the screen as he's running down inside the yeah. third yard line. I was oh, waiting sure. for I was waiting for a little yellow 
icon on my screen saying that a flag had been thrown. But uh, thank God, thank God there wasn't. So back to the drawing board, and, and it's sad that we went back to the drawing board after a bye week and came out flat in every phase of the game. And But they've done that. Who was the last head coach to win a game after the bye week? It was Mark Tressman's team his first year. So he had one, Fox had three, and Nagy now has had two. That's six straight years where the Bears have not won their game after the bye week. And that can't, you know, good teams can't afford to do that. I mean, we all talk about the, 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 the cream of the crop, which is, you know, Bill Belichick. And when was the last time Belichick lost a game coming out of a bye week? I'd have to go back and look. I don't know the answer to it, but it seems like he's always prepared, and our team just wasn't prepared this past week, and that was a beatable team. Yep. With with Kamara out, with Drew Brees out, with other players out, that was a beatable team, and you know now we're you know we're we're up you know what creek without a paddle because you know somebody put it very succinctly. You've got a margin of three. You've got 10 games. You can't lose more than three of the remaining 10 games if you expect to be in the playoffs. And quite frankly, I don't see a team winning 10 games and still being able to make the playoffs in the NFC because the competition is just too damn tough. And right now we've got too many teams we have to catch in order to be in a conversation for the postseason. So can it be done? Yeah. We, we had just talked about the 2011 season earlier when we were talking about Bears history with the Chargers. The Bears started off that year uh, two with one win and two losses, but then they, they went on a tear. Uh, they, won, they won six out of their last uh, next seven games. Uh, but look at what they scored. They scored 31 points against the Panthers. They scored 39 against the Vikings, 24 against Tampa, 30 against the Eagles, 37 against the Lions, and then 31. And then Cutler went out and they scored 20. They scored 3, 10, 14, 21, and 17. And even though they only scored 17 games that last game of the year, their defense held Minnesota to only 13. So the offense was clicking. You know, so can this offense click? Sure they can. They've got the talent. They've got the players. They supposedly have the right schemes, but now they have to start executing. So when we come back next week at, on Wednesdays when we record, we'll have a lot to talk about, I'm sure. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I, I I don't think we should lose faith at this point, but it's a whole lot different feeling uh, being three and three this year than last year. Uh, I definitely don't. Uh, I definitely feel like we we've gone from feeling like we had a lot more answers than questions to the complete opposite. Um, so it's, uh, you know. I, I do I do still believe that they can beat the Chargers, um, but I'm not going to be shocked if they don't. <laughs> like, I'm going, I feel like I'm just going back into the, you know, familiar numb place of Bears fandom where it's just like, 
eh, okay, let's see what we got <laughs> every week instead of feeling like, you know, confident. So I hope I, play, I hope the players don't feel that way. I refuse to believe that with the talent that even John Fox had, that those teams could play so poorly. And the, he ended up having a worse record than Abe Gibran's Bears teams. And you weren't alive for the, the Abe Gibran era. Uh, that was absolutely the most horrid football I have ever, ever witnessed as a Bears fan. It was just absolutely horrid. The only time they would win is at the dinner table. <laughs> I, I mean seriously yeah so let's take a look ahead the bears have to win this game then they have to go and play philadelphia and philadelphia has been up, up and down all year long they beat philadelphia or Phil, i'm sorry they beat green they beat green bay in green bay and looked awesome doing it and then they absolutely get dismantled by dallas uh, so that, and then then they they play Detroit, um, two out of the next four games. They have them at home uh, on the 10th of November, but then they have to go and they they have to play at the Rams. But you know, the Rams are uh, a team that that has kind of been discovered. You know, McVeigh is kind of in the same boat, and he's getting a lot of criticism about his offenses now that Nagy's getting. It just took Nagy uh, a shorter amount of time, but the Bears seem to figure uh, Goff out, and he, he hasn't played pretty much. He hasn't played very well at all since the Bears dismantled the the, the Rams. And imagine if if Trubisky could have put up 30 points against the Rams last year. What, what would have been said about about those two games? Then they come home and they play the Giants, and then they play on Thanksgiving uh, at Detroit, and then they play the following week again on a Thursday night uh, at home against the Dallas Cowboys. So you know this is not an easy stretch of games that they're they're looking at, and then they have to finish the the, the regular season at Green Bay against Kansas City with Mahomes back in action, and then they finish it at Minnesota. So. Um, they got to be seven and three in those games. And based on the team that we have seen take the field, the first six games, can we confidently say the bears can win seven of their next 10 games? Uh, I'll leave it to the fans to decide. I'm going to be forever hopeful that we're sitting here uh, in my own Halitech hall down in my basement um, talking about a completely different outcome and a different outlook come next week. Yep. <clears throat> Let's hope. We can only hope and we can only bear down. And uh, we thank everybody for listening. Uh, again, please support our sponsor, TickSplits, TickSplits.com. Uh, again, giving proceeds to veterans charities. And, uh, you know, we appreciate all their support. Uh, so thank you for listening. Please rate and subscribe uh, to us. And we, uh, we thank you so much for your time. And everybody have a great weekend. And hopefully we're talking about a Bears victory next week. See you next week, everybody. Man, Sally.